Welcome back to the Effort of Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep. On today's episode, we have Mr. Chris Hinshaw on the show. Now, I have talked to Chris so many times on this podcast, but today's episode is special. It's special because I hit him up. I'm like, listen, Chris, I love you. Been a longtime coach of mine, longtime friend. I have a question. Should power athletes, explosive athletes, be working longer, slow distance training? And what are the benefits? And so we talked today about does doing cardio interfere with your lifts? Does lifting interfere with your cardio? And what the benefits are if you're more of an explosive, fast-twitch muscle fiber athlete to then incorporate this longer slow distance training to work those muscle fibers so that when lactic acid does build up, you could flush it out quicker. I'm always impressed with the knowledge that Chris has. Not only has he been a professional triathlete, a phenomenal coach, but he's on the road regularly really seeing athletes firsthand on a regular basis and he's new on all the up and coming information he deals with crossfit athletes from today he was also my coach from you know almost 10 years ago so he's been around the block for many many years he has a wealth of knowledge definitely sit down definitely enjoy this episode and if you do simple ask simple ask hit us up on social right let us know what you think about it let me know what type of episodes you're you're enjoying and let chris know if you saw value in his content. So without any further ado, let's have a great episode with my coach, my friend, Mr. Chris Hinshaw. Let's go. All right, Chris. So here's a question. I actually, I, I had texted to you. I want to make sure that we're uh, talking the same language. I'm fired up to discuss this particular subject with you. Couldn't think of anybody else better to talk to about this. And it's about long, slow distance training and how to develop the muscle fibers, this slow twitch muscle fiber to help benefit us for high intensity training. And really the reason why it sparked at me, I remember maybe it was like, dude, it must've been like 10 years ago, Chris. Um, right. 10, was it 10? Yeah. Like almost 10 years ago we were training and I was so used to doing like four by 400 repeats, 10, 400 repeats, all that kind of stuff, right? 200s, 400s, maybe even 800s, every blue moon, maybe a mile. And that was like the norm in CrossFit at the time. And then you came in, you're like, dude, we're going to put time on our feet. We're going to do these different things. We started stretching it out to, you know, hour, two hour long training sessions. And I remember you specifically saying to me that you want to develop all the different muscle fibers within that leg or body so that when mm -hmm. you do get general fatigue, it could flush out faster. And that's the topic, man. Why would a power athlete or a high intensity athlete want to go long, slow distance? Well, what a good topic. I mean, I think it's a really good topic. And I think that it's one of these topics that's been very controversial um, between the endurance community and the weightlifting community. Um, you know, and the first thing that comes to mind is what I hear all the time. If, if I am an endurance athlete and I lift, I'm going to get big and I'm going to get slow. And then the, the power lifting, the weightlifting community, they turn around and they say the complete opposite. If I do cardio, it's going to ruin my gains. It's going to ruin my strength. And I think that that's where, when I started in this, this CrossFit space, that that what we know is interference effect if you do too much of one thing it will interfere with the other thing and so if you're a power lifter you certainly don't want it to interfere with your strength but when i started into the crossfit space it, it really it, it opened my eyes 
into all of this research on interference effect. And the research was really, it was isolated around these two ends of the spectrum because the endurance community, endurance athletes are on the slow, end, slow twitch end of the muscle fiber spectrum. And the weightlifting community is on the fast twitch side of the spectrum. And so they're complete opposites of one another. And then all of a sudden CrossFit comes in and it's like, no, 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 no. We're not specialists in weightlifting. And no, we're not specialists in endurance work either. We sit in the middle. And what we know about CrossFitters is that they have an average ratio of 50% fast twitch fibers and 50% slow. So do the same rules apply for all three groups? And that was what was appealing to me 10 years ago. And what we have found out is the answer is, is, is it's, it's not. You're, when you have a much more balanced ratio, you have many, many more options available to you because you're not genetically a specialist. And that's the thing that needs to be defined. So how did you, uh, this 50-50 this fast flow, is that just like, you know, after your many, many years of experience, is that just kind of like, like hypothetical or, I, I mean, cause what do you, how would you actually identify slow versus fast twitch? It, would you basically need to look at the fiber underneath a microscope? How, how would you determine that? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah. yeah. You would pull a fiber out of your leg. Um, and then we'll get a general idea of, of the genetic makeup. Um, they'll get a good ballpark. Um, and I mean, that's, that's typically how it's done in terms of percentages. Uh, there's plenty of studies out there that talk about what is the, the average makeup, um, in terms of fast twitch and slow twitch fibers for the population of people out there. And, and that's, what's important though, is that Glassman, what he did is he created sport for the person who wasn't born on the extremes because the, right. the, the people born on the extremes were the Olympians. And, and now there's been a sport that has been able to flourish, you know, since you got your start. And what we're now able to look at is how did that methodology that Glassman started actually evolve? And what we're finding is these athletes are pushing the extremes that they were in the middle, but they're pushing the extremes in terms of endurance and in weightlifting. You know, one of the things that I talk about, if you want an example, you know, you got a Rich Froning out there who has a VO2 max and the movement of running of 72 milliliters per kilogram of body weight per minute. Now, to give you an idea of how great that is in the movement of running, there are Olympian level runners in the marathon that don't have a VO2 max that high that have run sub 207 marathons. That's how good Rich Froning is. Problem is, is he's at 198 pounds. But you know what that 198 pounds does is it allows him to put 400 pounds over his head. So he's pushing these extremes. And when I started working with Rich, one of the problems were that I knew I could improve his running. I knew I could improve his cardio. I knew I could improve his recovery. The problem is, is that what would it ultimately do to his crossfitting? What would it do to his strength? Because remember, when I started, when you introduced me, it was, you know, it, it was after he won the games four times. And in the first 12 weeks with Rich, all I did is I, I ran him slow. And his mile time went from six minutes to 541. But that wasn't what was so exciting. 
all of his strength numbers went up. His vertical leap went from 31 to 33 inches. That was exciting. And that's doing slow distance or that's doing slow training. So, you know, I want to dive into that. So, um, when you have, and in particular, this, this is particularly interesting to me in CrossFit for sure, but also with the demographic of jujitsu, which I've talked to you a lot about this. Yeah. I watch these athletes like today I was at the jujitsu gym and I'm watching these guys just get down super explosive, very anaerobic, very aggressive. But I'm thinking to myself, when these people are in a state of fatigue or, or even take CrossFit, for example, and if you're only training these five to 12 minute time domains or even 20 minute time domains, are you missing out on developing muscle fiber, almost to your point about Rich, where you're hitting different strands? So is the way it works, Chris, is like, where are the gaps? So like, okay, if you have anaerobic, let's just say it's, you know, I don't know, two minutes, three minutes, whatever you want to call it. Aerobic yeah. is anything longer than, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Five minutes, whatever. Three, three minutes. Three. Yeah. But now let's talk about muscle fiber. If you're in like a very, you know, one RM deadlift is working these muscle fibers. Then you have three hour long marathon might be working these muscle fibers. Where are the like, um, margins at where are the, is it, so like how long is so long that it starts in fatiguing or enhancing muscle fibers? What's the longest you could go there? I know the shortest is obviously like a, you know, one RM deadlift, high box jumps is working muscle fibers in a different way, but how long do you need to go to open the depth of different muscle fibers? You think that's the better way to describe it. I really think that that's the, 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 the key for, for fitness is like you just said, don't leave anything behind. And so is there something inside of you that is, is limiting your overall performance, your work capacity, your ability to get better, your ability to reach your goals? And I mean, that's one of the things that, that we've had a lot of conversations about. And I talk to athletes over and over again that your career, if you're a professional athlete, is gonna be short in your lifetime and the last thing that I ever want to do if I'm helping you is to have you look back with regret. And that regret would be, I could have been better. And, and so, like you said, you really need to understand, like, what is the, what are the things that I'm leaving behind? Like when you approached me back in the day, it was, it was very obvious what you were leaving behind. And so to answer your question, What's really great about the human body is that it's logical, meaning if you put a stimulus on it with good nutrition and recovery, you can create an adaptation. And so that's why being a coach, it's, it's kind of straightforward with the exception, what is the stimulus that we need? And that's the hard part to identify because we need the athlete to provide that information, but they don't have the skills to know that yet. And so what we have to do is workouts and discussions to kind of bring those to the surface. That's why I've always said the worst workouts are one where we didn't learn anything because we're, we're in a, a nothing but a phase of discovery. That's all we're trying to do to make sure we turn over every rock before you retire. Because that under those rocks, that's where the regret is. I could have been better. And so when we look at intensities, we look at three intensities. We break it down as easy, moderate, and fast or hard. And 
why? Why three? Well, because we have three core energy systems, you know, that phosphagen system, anaerobic, and aerobic. So your phosphagen system, it's a energy system that delivers incredible energy. You know, it's 10 seconds, burns clean. But like I said, it just doesn't last long. This energy system is what lifters use for their one rep lift. And it takes upwards of three minutes to get, you know, good 90 plus percent of that energy system recovered. So if you're doing a five by five back squat, reason why you're taking three minutes of rest or, you know, weightlifters will take upwards of five is because they need that topped off. They need that energy, that source to move the muscles. The second one is your anaerobic, which lasts like you said, you know, it could be 60 to 75 seconds. The problem is, is that um, it doesn't deliver as much energy uh, as that phosphagen system and it doesn't burn clean. So what I mean by that is that there are fatigue causing metabolites that by using that system enter the muscle and ultimately will enter the bloodstream. And that's what we know as lactic acid. And lactic acid is two pieces, the lactate and the acidity. And if you don't get rid of that acidity, then what's going to happen is it will build up and eventually that acidity will interfere with the muscle's ability to function. So if you don't slow down and get rid of it, then the body will shut you down. And that's what happens when you see people hinging in a workout and, and not actually moving is that they didn't pay attention to uh, that, that accumulation of, of acidity in the muscles. And then we have the third, which is your aerobic system, and that's your oxygen. And your aerobic system will take that oxygen and either convert a carbohydrate or a fat into fuel. Um, some cases it will do a protein, but that system will work upwards of two hours. Um, so those are your three metabolic pathways. Those are the energy systems that are used to move your muscle and they correlate with the three muscle fiber groups that you have too. So the top end is our fast twitch 2B. Those are the fastest of the fast. The problem with those fibers is they can endure. They get their energy actually from that phosphagen system and the anaerobic system. So just where they get their energy from, they don't last long, but you use them in a one rep lift or a maximal effort sprint. The second fiber is your 2A fibers, these intermediate fibers or hybrid fibers, and they call them that because of where they get their energy from. They get it anaerobically and they get it aerobically. And these fibers are the ones that improve your maximum sustainable pace. You can make these fibers more aerobic, giving you an improvement in your maximum sustainable pace. So that to me is really fascinating. And these fibers are where the core of opportunity sits for most athletes. And then the third is your aerobic system. I mean, your slow twitch fibers and they get their energy aerobically from the oxygen. So what's interesting is they all fit together. But the question is, is, is now these three intensities. And this is where it gets really fascinating because one of those three intensities is preventing you from getting better. And that's how simple it is. And the question is, is which one is it? And how do you define it? So in defining it real quick, no, yeah, this if is, I pick this you up. Really help, this is really helpful for, for sure. One of, one of those so, three areas you're probably neglecting potentially. Yep. And so the question is, is how do you define those three areas first of all? If I pick you up and I say, we're going to start walking, well, you're now moving out into an intensity spectrum, right? It's 
walking is harder than sitting. If right. I keep pushing you and we go faster and faster, we're eventually gonna get to this easy pace. And what's interesting about this easy intensity, um, the muscle fiber recruitment to allow you to perform at this easy intensity, it's 100% slow twitch, 0% fast twitch 2A and zero fast twitch 2B. So why would you train at this easy? Well, these slow twitch fibers, those are the fibers that allow you to recover. So if you are in a workout and you're getting tired, then whatever that movement is, you're probably limited because your aerobic fibers haven't been fully adapted. They're passive. If you don't train it, it's not available. So the people listening, take any movement, any movement that you would wanna do, you could take a push-up. What is preventing you in the movement of a push-up of getting more reps? Like say, Jay, you wanted to do 10 more reps than you currently can. What's preventing you from doing more? And is it that you just get tired? Yeah, it's is probably it just your muscle, fatigue? muscle fatigue, muscle stamina, right? I mean, because- Right, stamina. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm talking about is, is that it is your slow twitch, the fibers that can allow you to go long, long amounts of time, and they don't actually accumulate fatigue. They burn clean. The problem with slow twitch fibers is there's no power. So if people are lacking in the recovery, if they lack stamina, then they don't have full adaptation of those slow twitch fibers. Because if you're looking for stamina, if you're looking for improvements in recovery, I mean, one of the major measures of aerobic fitness is how fast can you recover? How fast can you clear fatigue? Endurance athletes are exceptional at it. And is that preventing you from doing more work? Like what if you weren't so tired as you accumulated push-ups? then obviously you could do more. And so that's where people, they, they misunderstand what aerobic slow twitch training is. It is one of two weaknesses that prevent people from getting better. People always assume that the other weakness is their problem. I need more speed, I need more strength, I need more power, I need more force. One of those two things is inhibiting, it's, it's limiting your work capacity. Do you need more bench press strength or what if I can get you to recover faster? Could you do more work? Yeah, could you flush it out of your system, which is really um, kind of like the the premise of, of what I'm curious about, right? Where whether you take, um, for example, the the we talk about the push up, right? And I know that you yeah. you have this drill where you'll do the push up, and with the plate, you'll actually even hold a PVC pipe and do presses like that to kind of clear yeah, right. fatigue and develop. Um, but let's just you know kind of honing this back towards running, which I think was a good analogy. You, if you're sed sedentary and then you start walking, that's that's a step in the slow distance training, and then that's you can kind of work these thresholds, right? But right, you eventually get. But so you get past the 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 easy pace, and if you keep pushing your intensity, you get to your maximum sustainable pace, and then you keep pushing and you get to your hard pace. But those three paces tie into the muscle fiber adaptation. So when you get to that moderate pace, you're now a hundred percent adapting those fast twitch two A intermediate fibers. And when we start pushing that hard, we're really targeting those fastest of the fast tar fibers. And that way people are aware, it's like we can target 
specific muscle fiber adaptation, but you would never want to do that unless you knew that was what was inhibiting your work capacity. Now, let's just say, for example, you have an athlete um, and they are consistently training in a specific modality. And, and again, I, I, CrossFit's kind of tough because by design, you're, you're training across many modalities. So I think let's just take, um, uh, uh, let's just take like a basketball player, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, or, you know what, I'm going to use the jiu-jitsu player just come very interested. Yeah, let's do that. Selfishly. Yeah. You take these guys and they're explosive athletes. They, they typically train, you know, three to 10 minute, you know, sessions, then take, you know, a couple minutes off, boom, back in it. And it's very dynamic, very aggressive, very aggressive with mm -hmm. some stalling and, you know, some, some, some movement. When you talk about trying to get someone like that, who you would put more on this spectrum of, let's just say the spectrum goes from, you know, uh, slow twitch whatever, to fast twitch, they're probably right. more on this spectrum over here, right? Agreed. Yep. Agreed. But not so much over here that they ever go for one RMs. So a lot of these guys, they rarely have ever lift weights. So, I mean, well, they, they lift weights, but they don't go for one RMs or five RMs or something like that. So they kind of fall in like this to the right category, but not quite, you know, you know, max, you know, phosphagy, you know, like not, not, not there. Right. So where would you say they get more bang for the buck? You know, spending some time over here, I guess, what would be the recommendation for a cohort that typically trains in this or name the sport, right? Basketball typically trains here. Baseball typically trains here, whatever. How, how, do, how do you evaluate yeah. that? Yeah. So if I was just looking at jujitsu, I mean, and, and you're going to have both types of athletes. We've seen it where, you know, the, the Brock Lesnar comes in and he is explosive. He is fast twitch dominant um and conor mcgregor is the same way if those guys don't establish their dominance in in one minute more than likely they're going to be in jeopardy of losing and and they're going to lose to an athlete that has better like you said stamina but really it's that ability to recover and so if i was taking let's say a conor mcgregor or a brock lesnar then you're never going to want to to eliminate their superpower, right? That explosivity. You're going to always want to maintain that. But what we're going to want to do is provide some better balance in there. And that balance is we've got to give you an ability to endure. And what's the optimal way in order to do that for this particular athlete? And and that's the key. One, what you have to understand is how do these slow twitch fibers work? Like, you know what, the reason why I was able to beat you in the beginning all the time on the track, the reason why is because you trained very short time domains at very high intensities. And as a result of that stimulus, you got fast and strong. But me, I did the opposite, right? I was doing long distance work because of my genetics. I mean, I, I, I you know, I really, really do well in long time domains. And so if you and I go for a run, and that speed for you and our workouts was really actually slow. The only reason why it got difficult for you is I made you do a lot of time. And if I push you long enough, you get tired. And nice. that you have to understand how the body and why that happens. Because a lot of people talk about zone two training these days. And there's a, a 
huge misunderstanding on that. It's in the mistakes that are being made. I know the intentions are good, but but in many cases, they're 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 not creating the adaptation. They're they're actually making that athlete work at zone two and teaching them to go slow. So let's say you and I do a zone two workout, and let's just say that it's at the same intensity zone two, um, which we would call this easy pace. And we start out and we're running. Your brain is responsible for recruiting your muscle fibers based upon the amount of force, the intensity. So it matches your speed, gives you just enough slow twitch fibers to match that speed. Well, the same thing, my brain's doing that too. So you and I are running and let's say we're doing it at the zone two. Well, let's say that's, that we're out there running and that zone two in the beginning is a nine minute mile. Well, you and I are gonna run for an hour. Ultimately, we would love to be able to hold that nine minute mile for an hour. But what's gonna happen to you because you're a fast twitch dominant athlete is that that initial slow twitch fiber will fatigue and fail, the brain will shut it off and it will recruit a new slow twitch fiber grouping of them, motor units. And they now will do the work while all the other of your fibers are resting. They're recovering. Those fibers that are now working will fatigue and fail, brain shuts them off and it recruits new ones. And now those original ones are resting. You'll eventually work your way back around to your original recruited motor units. And if you've never done enough volume to force those original recruited slow twitch fibers to go back in the game, your only option is recruit fast twitch fibers. And that's what will happen to you. Now, me, because of my training and my genetics, I will not get back to my original recruited motor units as soon as you do. As a matter of fact, it will probably take me double the time and that will allow mine to recover. Plus I've done enough stamina training. Well, they'll have recovered and they could go back in the game and we could just keep circling for what? Nine hours. So well, that what was you have to think analogy. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, I'm, I'm so what you that. need to think, what you need to think about then is what if you're doing zone two, when you come around to those, those, original recruited slow twitch fibers and they haven't recovered because you never did enough volume to overload those slow twitch, slow twitch fibers. Now you have fast twitch fibers coming in and you know what's going to happen when you recruit fast twitch? Fatigue. Fatigue will enter the muscles that you're using. You're now going to increase your breathing rate because you need more oxygen to get to those muscles. And as a result, your heart rate's going to climb. So if you want to stay in zone two, you've got to slow down to maintain that same heart rate. So if you're doing zone two training, you're gonna start out at a fast speed. And then as your fatigue builds, you're going to end up going slower and slower and slower. And that's the problem. When we train, we're training the energy, right? The heart rate, the metabolic pathways. But what we're doing is we're using that energy to move our muscles. Don't train your muscles to hurt bad and go slow. That's my point. And is it your lack of stamina that allows you to put those slow twitch fibers back in the game? And that's where this overload principle comes in. If you don't do enough volume, there's no adaptation. If you don't do enough volume, there's not enough adaptation. That goes for any, you know, that could be like the, the push-up example where you go from yep. on your toes to on your knees to a PVC pipe, right? And you're just flushing it out yeah. and, and yep. you're basically trying to develop, because let me ask you this question. 
when we're talking about slow twitch muscle fibers, I know that they're very dominant in the lower extremities, of course, and they flush really well. But let's just say in your upper body, um, you could still train. You should be training the lower extremities because they could flush so well, even if you're getting upper body lactic acid, right? But you yes. could also be training your upper body through ranges of motion the same way with light loads for many, many reps. Yes. It, it, it's just not very common, right? It would be, I guess it would kind of be yeah. like a skier maybe or, or something like that would be more common. Yeah, I mean, that's what, but this is the, this is a very interesting subject that you're bringing up is, is how do you get a jujitsu athlete or a weightlifting athlete to, to want to do some type of aerobic slow twitch work? And they're going to be really reluctant to go out for a run. And, 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 and I'm not talking about elite, like even a like, jog, right? We're, we're, we would even drop right. it down to a jog, right? Like, right. Right, we're but they, they're going to be hour-long jog. They're going to be reluctant to do that, and and 100%. so part what we have to do is somehow get them to understand the concept. And the way to get someone that is a a power-based athlete, like a jujitsu athlete, where they're they are explosive, um, but they also recognize that they need, like you've always said, an ability to endure. And the way to do that is by combining different intensities in that weightlifting workout, but be very careful about the way in which we're driving the, the adaptation that we're chasing. And what I mean by that is weightlifters commonly will take their one rep lift and they'll do various percentages of that one rep lift. Like they'll openly say that 60% of my one rep lift creates muscular endurance. All right, that's a fine thing. But what I wanna do is I wanna follow what is happening to build capacity in the elite sprinting community. Like take a Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt, he's a sprinter. The longest his event ever was, was under 20 seconds. So we're never going to have him do 10 mile runs. But what do you do to build a guy like that, his capacity? Because he's gotta do prelims, semis, finals, plus he's doing the 100, the 200, the four by one, recovery matters for a guy like that. So how does he do it? When you know his event is less than 20 seconds, what he does is what we call active recovery. He creates fatigue in his running sprint, but then he clears his fatigue in a walk. Same movement pattern, same muscle group, but the intent changes because when he does his sprint, immediately within those muscle fibers that are moving, he is producing a tremendous amount of lactic acid. Now, a lot of people will say, well, how fast can you make lactic acid? Well, there's a lot of studies in gymnastics. The pommel horse routine is a 25 to 30 second routine, uh, upwards now of 40, 45. But in that 30 seconds, it's all upper body mechanics. They will get measurable blood lactate when they pull blood out of the big toe, right? It's blood lactate in that 30 second time period. So it happens fast. That's in the blood. So imagine if you do a hundred meter sprint running, how much lactate is in the legs? A lot. And the way that Usain Bolt would clear it is he walks. And instead of sitting in a chair, most weightlifters, what do they do for the recovery? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's their right. stimulus, they get good at nothing. You gotta find a way to actively clear it so that when you get a chance of doing nothing, it actually can clear at a faster rate. Remember, 
that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to reduce the accumulation of that lactic acid while doing that sprint. That's what we're trying so, to do. So a recommendation to kind of hit these, first off, it's, it's building awareness on what type of athlete you are, what type of muscle yes. fibers you probably have a more tendency to work towards and CrossFitters, yep. I think in general, I think if you looked at CrossFitters, you'd probably say that most people, most of the time are a little bit more on this fast twitch you know, they're, they're not so much like sl slow distance, although right. now, the, yeah, the, the CrossFit games competitors now spend a lot of time in those arenas because they know that it's going to come up. But for most people yep. who go into a gym and hit their workouts, they're not really doing that, that type of threshold training of like, you know, like I did a, I've been doing a lot of rucking lately. So I'm spending two, three hours on my feet with the ruck, which has been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess the recommendation would be have that awareness. And then if you want to start hitting multiple different energy systems at the same time, to your point, where it would be like what the type of track workouts we would do is like, you know, 200 meter run, you know, walk for, you know, 600 you know, and do repeats. So you're hitting these kind of different muscle fibers. Is that would be the recommendation if you didn't have too much time? Yeah. So it depends on what athlete we're talking about, but if it's just, you know, the, 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 the general fitness enthusiast versus, a, 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 you know, a, a sports specialist, um, we would, we would look at it differently, but you're right. The first thing that you would want to understand is, is that what is preventing you from from reaching your goals which or doing more work and in every movement it's unique that answer is different but what you have to recognize is that your weakness in every movement is one of two things and this is how simple it is do you need more speed in that movement do you need more strength do you need more um <clears throat> power output or is it a movement where you just get fatigued based upon your ability is that a movement where that stamina, I'm just tired. I could no longer do any more. And I, my, I feel like that's my limitation. And so one of them, we either do strength-based training, we do high intensity sprint work, high intensity interval work, or we slow it way down and we focus on that movement, but at a lower intensity. And I think that the best way without question in movement to practice this is to look at the movement and create one that's a running similar to a running sprint meaning a high intensity produced fatigue and then we're going to mimic that same movement but the intent changes to clear the fatigue kind of like what you said we're going to do high intensity push-ups for a small amount of time think about usain bolt it takes 10 seconds for him to accumulate fatigue after that flip over on your back and do a nice slow floor press with the PVC pipe. And your focus is to try and clear fatigue. You do that for the remainder of that minute five times through. That will be a total of five minutes of work, 10 seconds hard, 50 of recovery. But what you've done is five minutes of unbroken push-ups, and that's how you build stamina. We're gonna build your stamina through the recovery side of the equation. And what's your next workout? increase the load instead of using a pvc pipe increase the load on the recovery maybe move a five pound plate up and down and what you're going to continuously do is make the next workout more challenging not on the intensity but on the recovery because that's what you think is your weakness right
We chase right. the adaptation we want. Right. I mean, it's a really easy way of looking at it. Hey, is it a strength issue or is it a stamina issue? If, if you're looking at it from a, like, um, a, a, like a great example would be like a Fran in, in CrossFit, right? 21, 59 mm -hmm. thrusters and pull-ups. Is it a strength issue? Probably not, right? It's probably some type of stamina issue in the pool. And it, I mean, maybe that's not the best example because it's like a two minute workout anyways, but. No, 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 but, but you're right because you're talking about muscle fibers. So it's important that that the listeners understand we're, we're, we're manipulating two different categories. One is energy and that is how the muscles move. And so the muscle fibers matter. And what we're trying to do is Imagine if, 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 if you're in jujitsu right now, what if I can increase the maximum number of fibers that you can recruit? Like if I could increase that percentage, what if I could increase the percentage of fibers that you can use during your match? What if I could increase the length that those fibers can actually endure? That's what we're talking about. Would that benefit you? And that is when we work the slow twitch, the recovery side, if you said yes to any one of those things, then you may need to work your recovery. And the hard part is in jujitsu, do you need to improve your recovery while standing or while prone? Which is your yep. weakness? Right. And that's and then, the fun part. That's yeah, the fun and that, part. And, that, and that's where it gets fun too. And it, this is why I love talking sports, athletics, training, because you know, you you bring up a really good point, by the way. So I, I'm I know that you know Gabe from our team. He thinks I talk about jujitsu all the time, and I do. But I love, I love look. I love my background in CrossFit. I love everything that we're doing with strength conditioning. I love everything we're doing, and I I train. I train harder than maybe not harder than ever, but I train very hard right now in our gyms. Yeah, I've been getting after it. But I love, love jujitsu too. And what I what's interesting about it is that most people most of the time they'll hit a hard roll. And then they'll go, and myself included, I'm raising my hand, just basically just go sit in the corner and wait until it's their turn again, which is probably a couple minutes later. But yep. I, I wonder, and it's just like sparking my mind, is if it was an obligation for the whole team, you do your three minute, five minute, 10 minute, whatever round. And then you do three minutes of just like pummeling drills and like very casual, um, they call it flow rolling, right? This is very common by yeah. the way, flow rolling. Um, but it's normally happens before you train. So you're flow rolling, you're working technique. It's, it's very casual, right? Very low key. Yeah. Right. But I wonder what would happen is if you go crazy, go out, go out, go out. And then you just kind of flow. I just, so let's talk that through. Let's yeah. talk that through. So how hard is it when you're, when you're doing those, like in the creation of that fatigue, right? That fatigue, it doesn't just skyrocket. It's a gradual building and it progressively gets worse and worse and worse. Right until the end. Yeah. Is that I mean, how, it, okay. For the most is part, that how it is. I mean, it's pretty aggressive, right? So like, you know, you'll kind of start da, 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 da. I'd say like, you know, especially if you're standing and wrestling, you get really fatigued really fast. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like a progressive exhaustion over the span of five to eight minutes, especially it does depend how good you are too and who your opponent is, but yeah, it's a progressive, progressive, which thing. is, which is a, which is a great thing because when you are progressing like that, ultimately that level of fatigue is, is forcing the muscles to shut down so that you slow down or are forced to stop. And by gradually accumulating that fatigue, what your training is, 
the brain not to kick in and shut down those muscle fibers that you're essentially, you're, you're creating an environment where the brain keeps those muscle fibers turned on under higher and higher doses of fatigue. And that's what we call tolerance. And that's what it's doing. The problem is that you finish that really gnarly session and then you stop. So you build, 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 build. It has this incredible dose of fatigue. You're really forcing the muscles to stay turned on, but the fatigue is just coming in and forcing you to want to quit. And eventually you stop. Why not work the backside of the bell-shaped curve and just call it recovery? You just put all this effort to create this incredible dosing and then you stopped? Why? You, you were halfway. But what we do is you disguise it and call it recovery. Yeah, this is this is super interesting to me because I I, I know for especially for people listening who do jiu-jitsu, they could see the benefit of what you're saying, right? So you go at it, then you you come down and you do like like I was saying, some light, light rolling, light, very light, and then boom, three minutes later or one minute later or whatever the next round is, you peak back up again. It's it's like this uh yeah. It, you know what I mean? It would be like basically the same interval as you would do on a track. The only difference exactly. is you're with another person. That's um, correct. And it, you're making it sports specific because that's that theory of specificity. If you want to get good at something, you got to do that something. And so the closer it is to what you want to get better at, the greater adaptation. But this is this is the same thing in weightlifting, like powerlifters. You know, I, I. I, in powerlifting, when you go to do your next lift, have you recovered to be able to do that next lift? And in many cases, I mean, that's how major weightlifting competitions and one are lost because the lifter in front of you will pass on that weight. And now you thought that you were going to get an extra five minutes and you're going. Right. And unfortunately, if you always train and expect to have a minimum of five minutes of rest and you have one, you're not going to be able to do that same load. Gymnasts, gymnasts, it's really interesting to me how gymnasts train and tradition is a ma major part of that sport. And when they teach these kids, they're lined up, they'll do something and then they'll get back in line. Why are we just standing there? What we're talking about, Jay, is like getting people to do more work while we have them in the gym and we're calling it recovery. And but like we for can gymnastics do that. weightlifting, I don't know if, uh, um, I guess I'm asking a question here. Would there be as much benefit in like gymnastics or weightlifting as there would be in a sport like CrossFit, Jiu-Jitsu, others, basketball, basketball, for example, right? Or, or, because I, I, again, I don't know. I mean, like weightlifting, if you have three lifts, three lifts, and you take your normal recovery, would it, it make sense then to incorporate a lighter barbell in your, or gymnastics, for example, if you know you have your event, your, your your floor exercises, then you get an hour rest or whatever it is. Do you still think that they would get benefit from doing these exercises because they're hitting different muscle fibers they aren't normally hitting? Is that the benefit or is so, it building stamina? Let, let, I, let, I, let's talk that through. I mean, I think that's a good question. So gym, gymnastics at a high level, I don't care what level actually, it's, it's a high skill sport. It's high skill. And you and I both know that under fatigue, it's very difficult to, to maintain um, technical proficiency in a movement because of fatigue. You get sloppy. Mm. And 
what I want to know is, is let's just say that you're doing high bar routine. You are single bar and you're doing all these incredible movements and they're all high force. So it's all fast twitch to be. Now those, that, that routine takes a minute, a minute. Imagine how much lactic acid has accumulated and it's all upper body. And now as soon as you have flooded and it's a minute, you now have flooding in all of those muscle groups that are using and holding onto that bar. But more importantly, you've overloaded the neighboring muscle groups and now it's spilled into the bloodstream, lactate shuttle, and it is in the legs. So let alone you doing these highly technical moves that can ruin your career if you fail and you're doing on, under extreme doses of acidity. Now you do an incredibly difficult, highly technical dismount. And what are they expected to do when they hit the ground? Yeah. To stick Land the well. landing. Yep. And, and imagine they think their legs haven't done any work when in fact, there's no difference in that level of fatigue because of the blood lactate. And yet they don't do leg training. That's what I'm talking about. Could we change the approach and address this accumulation of fatigue? And I guarantee in every single movement that they do in a gymnastic competition, their bloodstream is flooded with lactic acid. They are way above their lactate threshold. And I would argue that that lactate threshold, that lactate is above lactate threshold in their last two events, meaning their recovery is so bad because they don't practice, they don't train it, that that lactate accumulation stays above threshold for their entire last two events. So even after 20 minutes of recovery of sitting in a chair, they have a lactate level above threshold going into the last two events. That's how difficult it is. And that's the problem with the way in which it's being trained today. Dude, I, that's I, really I like, it's, it's really, it's really cool, right? Because, you know, with more technology, yes, you could study the muscle fibers and all that kind of stuff, but there's just more access to information. You know, when right. I first got into CrossFit 15 years ago, you know, I would have to go fly out to go meet different coaches. I'd have to whatever. Now there's so many beautiful resources where, you know, not, not to mention, obviously, if we had ones locally, but the point I'm trying to make is that now we could have open dialogues like this and it could maybe spark interest in, in really trying to level up the coaching playing field and these athletes just trying to enhance. And the conversations we're having today, they're not, they're not like, um, they're, they're, um, they seem to make sense when you're having them, at least to me. But yeah. if you were but just in the sport, yeah, but if you were just in the sport, you wouldn't think to think that way because it's not the way it's been done, you know? And I think CrossFit's done a good job over the years of trying to evolve. I mean, yeah. no one ever talked about recovery. No one ever talked about nutrition. No one ever talked about any of that stuff. And now it's evolving. I think other sports are catching up as well. So it's, it's exciting I, I, times, yep. man. I think you're right. I mean, I, 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 you have to applaud CrossFit for being receptive because they're not saying CrossFit that they are the know-it-alls and they have all of that information. I mean, remember when, when they announced the triple three event and I went public in, in 2014 and I said, you know what, anybody can fake a mile for time. And they did not like that because what it was showing was it's like, now you're going to run three miles and it's going to expose some weaknesses. And I mean, that's what we saw from Froning, right? He walked because he could fake a mile, but you take someone long, it will expose 
the fact that they don't have a good aerobic slow twitch recovery system. And that's what his weakness was. And then what did CrossFit do two years later? They recognized that what I was doing was changing the sport. And instead of like, like going against, they said, let's partner and let's figure out a better way to create what we're overall, all of us are trying to do. And that is to create a, a fitter recreational athlete. And I, I applaud them for that. I really do. I, I Because let's face it, you, I, and I, I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but I, I, the heat that you took back then, it must've been big, you know, like why are you doing 20 miles three weeks before the games? <laughs> oh man. Hey, making it happen. By the way, I got a, I got a funny story to kind of close out on. Cause I could talk to you for hours and hours. I was, I was driving from Northern California to Southern California for a charity event for NIGU, which is a, a organization we support for pediatric cancer. And I get there and mm -hmm. they're riding echo bikes for 24 hours. Okay. Max calorie echo bike. And I couldn't stay the whole time because, um, because it was my wife no. and I anniversary, but I wanted to get in a thousand calories. Okay. So I get there and I had, the only thing I'd really had to eat all day was like in and out, like a, just the patties from in and out burger. I just dro drove seven hours and I'm like, I'm fired up. Right. So I get on there, I go for 30 minutes, uh, max cows. I hit like, you know, a pretty good amount. I think it was like four, four sixty or something like that. Four seventy. But I wanted to finish my thousand cows. That was my goal. So I'm, yeah. I'm recovering. I'm feeling good, dude. I was holding a good pace. Like bro, I was feeling great. I was at 300 RPMs to 315 the whole time I mean, for watts. 30 minutes. Watts. 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 Yeah. Felt good. Yeah. Like, dude, I was, I was feeling good. So I get off. I, uh, you know, I didn't really have much to eat or drink or anything, just some water. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to finish my, my next 500 calories or whatever it was to, to go home. And dude, I get on this bike probably 10 minutes in and I just feel my energy just go from like good to terrible. And my legs do the lactic acid, which is burning. And I was like, wow, what is happening here? And it brought me back to the, um, marathon row that I did years and years ago with you and all about carbohydrates. And so I hadn't had any carbohydrates. So anyways, this guy gives me this like bang energy drink. I eat oh, like God. two muffins and bro, but I instantly felt those carbs just <laughs> kick in. Oh my gosh. The bang energy drink really put me over the top. I felt like I was going to run through a wall, but anyways, I finished my 500 <laughs> calories, but I was just thinking of you and carbohydrates and and uh, just, dude, I just, I felt like such shit. And then boom, the, the carbs got into my bloodstream and I feel like a million bucks. So had a couple of M&Ms too. You know, yeah. I, I love that because I always tell people, you better have a backup plan because when the wheels fall off, you're not going to eat a sweet potato. Like, what are you going to do? And I never want to introduce it, but I'm like, when they ask, what would you recommend? I'm like, I honestly, if it was right before a competition, it would be a D-Fizz Coca-Cola. That's what I would do. And it is a universal, I don't care how bad you're feeling, if you drank eight to 12 ounces of a D-Fizz Coke 30 minutes before, you're gonna feel like lightning. Dude, I so I didn't have a D-Fizz uh, Cola, but I had, I don't know what the hell was in this bang, definitely some sugar. <laughs> Yeah, and, for sure. But bro, it got me. And then the M&Ms. But between the bang and the M&Ms, I was feeling good. Um, yeah. Anyways, it no, just, I... it, 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 you know, <laughs> for, for anybody listening, you know, Hinshaw and I have been on podcasts so many times on this show. 
And he shared a story a while ago. He shared a lot of good stories actually, but one time he was in Brazil and his like a uh, bodyguard basically went and got him some liters of Coke in the middle of one of his triathlons. And so go back to some of those older episodes. Uh, Cause Chris has that some was amazing a great stories. time. Dude, I know. Could you imagine being in first place and you got a motorcycle escort and you realize like you're inside out and you got 20 miles to go? And I'm like, dude, can you just go to the local 7 Eleven? Of course, they don't have those there in Rio, but can you get me a two liter Coke? And you know what? That two liters, that it's so funny because he had it in his like, you know, pack on his bike. And I just continued to drain that thing through the rest of it. I mean, oh, what a life changer! Dude, the two liter. I had coat. a guy. I had a guy. We did a sixty-hour adventure race, and a guy was. It was getting late, and he fully cramped, and fully cramped meaning all of his muscles were cramping. And he was laying in the mud, and he's like, "I, I, 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 I don't know what we're gonna do." And the team captain, he was freaking out. He's like, "We gotta call in paramedics." I'm like, "He's fine." And I had a secret stash in my back, my pack. It was two liters of defiz Coke, but it was just for me. And I was hesitating. I'm like, God, should I save this guy's life or should I just, you know, think of myself? It was a real big dilemma. I'm like, oh man. So I was in a camelback. I pulled the ho the end of the, the little, like mouthpiece off. I took yeah. the hose. And this guy couldn't even move. And I took the hose and I stuck it down his throat and then I squeezed it like a bagpipe. And I drained this into his stomach and he's like fighting me the whole time. I'm not kidding. Five minutes later, this dude was good to go. We went another like eight hours. Yeah. Dude. Hey, I'm glad you made the right decision there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, Chris, all these, bro, I, all these dilemmas. Dude, I could talk to you about this kind of stuff all day. Obviously we got to do another episode, but I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, today's episode was all about, you Thanks, know, Jake slow twitch fast twitch i think we dove into a bunch of different stuff always love chatting with you um so you're heading out to the crossfit games here pretty soon i'm not quite sure when this episode is going to air but um you'll, you'll be heading out there i am i'm um i'm really excited about actually this year and and you know the changes that that are, are happening within the sport and i'm i'm excited about like this round coming now well past covid um, CrossFit Games has always been an event where there is a, a huge amount of hype and enthusiasm, uh, not only before, but after. And um, I think that the women's field is going to be really, really exciting. And maybe not so much because of Tia, but she's proving now and redefining fitness for women that is extraordinary and and that you can't miss but i'm talking about who's going to get second who's going to get third because there is so much talent on the women's side i, I don't recall talent at this level ever um wow. and that's going to be exciting for me i i for the first time i really am excited about watching because i don't know who is going to to fill those second third fourth fifth spots i really yeah. don't well yeah hey after it's done, we'll have to chat about it. But, you know, our goal, and especially like with this podcast, you know, it's, it's, it's just to share information. You have so much information and, and so much insight. And, um, I really appreciate your time. Um, Thanks. you know, look, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure to link in the podcast, all, all, everything that, you know, Chris is doing with aerobic capacity, all the stuff that he's been doing with CrossFit teaching seminars. Um, 
But Chris, I really appreciate you, bro. I hope you have a great day and uh, looking forward to chatting again soon. Thanks, Jay.